Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. G'day everyone. Lauren Cress, the business scientist here. Hope you're having an awesome week. I just want to start off the show by giving a shout out to Kelly Fellon, who found my content through YouTube and has become a listener of the podcast. And just over the weekend, I saw a, such a lovely review come through from Kelly, uh, who talked about what she found useful about the podcast. And basically she said, this is better than doing an entrepreneurship like degree. And I was like, oh, wow, that's really cool. And Kelly is a professor, like she teaches at university. So that was really, really special for me. I felt like I was going to cry because I was like, yes, this is exactly why, why I make this show. And if you jump on po Apple Podcasts now, you're not going to see it because uh, it's on the US version of Apple Podcasts, not the Australian one. So I only saw it because it comes through on Chartable. For those of you who podcast, you'll know what I mean. Uh, but Kelly, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. It meant so much to me. All right. Now, what are we talking about today? Well, kind of a lot of things. So I'm speaking with marketing expert, Floris Block. He's the founder of a couple of companies. We mainly talk about what he does at Relevate and some really interesting insights here. And we also talk a little bit about his podcast show at the end. So Floris has a marketing podcast show, which a lot of you guys will probably like if you like this. So check it out. It's called The Frontline Podcast. We talk about it right at the end of the episode. So I want to make sure I kind of plug it at the beginning because a lot of people don't make it all the way to the end. And this episode is a little bit long. It is worth listening to the whole way through. I learned so much from this chat. And there was also just things that I'm like, yeah, I knew that, but like, didn't quite think of it that way. It just helped to solidify a few things for me. The way Floris explains it is a really, really good teacher. So completely understand why he's doing the podcasting. He's a great content creator. Uh, but we're mainly, look, we're mainly going to focus on B2B stuff today. Um, but anything that involves a complex sale. So, and, and sort of complex marketing. So when it's like, you know, we talked about empathy mapping a few weeks ago and it's like, okay, great. So we understand the end user or the end customer. But what about all those other people that might be involved in making a decision about the sale? What does that look like? So we talk about mapping out the customer journey. We talk a little bit about some of the mistakes that are being made in marketing. Um, we talk about practical things that you can kind of do and think about to make sure that your marketing is actually going to work and things that don't work. So it kind of, as I said last week, this was going to be the episode I shared last week, but I decided to share it this week because it does follow on nicely from what we were chatting about on Monday, but it does make me want to kind of put a little caveat in here because on Monday I was like, look, I don't use a CRM, like I use active campaign to help with like the beginning of working out where leads are. And then I use Airtable to actually manage my pipeline. Now Airtable is essentially a relatively sophisticated Excel spreadsheet. I don't know if they would like that way of describing it, but that's how I think of it. There's other, you know, sort of cool things that it does, it does like kind of a Trello board thing and stuff, but essentially like it's, 
it's not a CRM. And then in my chat with Floris, I'm like, yeah, the first thing I did when I started my business was I was like, I need a CRM, which is true. When I started my business, I had a business partner and the type of business I was running at the time meant I really did need a CRM. We had a CRM at the time. Um, but the reason I didn't recommend that on Mondays, I think that for a lot of people here that are starting out, especially if you're on your own, especially if you're a solopreneur, it might just not be the time for you to have like a full-blown customer relationship management tool. Uh, so when I'm saying that, you know, like a customer relation, there's lots of different types. There's like Infusionsoft, there's Zoho, there's Salesforce. There's I used a free, it was free at the time. It was called Agile CRM. So it's just going to depend on where you're at in your journey, right? And that's why I thought this was actually a good episode to follow up with because, for some people listening to this, they might be like, Airtable is really not going to cut it for me, Lauren. Like, uh, what about if I'm managing a lot of leads at any one time? What about if I have a salesperson working for me or a virtual assistant who helps me with my sales? So uh, this is kind of like, again, like I said last week, there's stuff that I talk about in the Monday Motivation episodes that is just scratching the surface because it's a short episode, right? And so these longer conversations are sort of there to supplement the things that I'm not saying and that I can't say in that time. Um, so I'm really, really happy that I could follow up the Monday episode with this one. Uh, as always, if you like what we're talking about, please share it with someone that you know. Uh, if you'd like to buy me a cup of coffee, you can do that over on Kofi. Just go to ko-fi.com forward slash Lauren Cress. Uh, it helps me to do all the things I need to do to make this podcast possible. If you enjoy listening to Floris, reach out to him. Floris is really active on LinkedIn. Um, that's You might have even come across Floris before if you follow me on LinkedIn uh, and he shares some great stuff. So reach out to him, let him know how you heard about him on the show. And without further ado, let's get on to the main part of the show today. There might just be a little ad break here and I'll be back in a tick. Just been talking with Floris Block and we're both so excited to finally be in a live stream together. We've been talking about this for a while. <laughs> we're today, I don't know, three or four months. <laughs> three or four months, I think. Yeah. So today we're going to be talking about B2B marketing. What are the differences? What are the similarities when it comes to B2C? There's so much information out there about what best practices are and what to do. And Floris is the person to talk to. So Floris, to start with, just tell us a little bit about you, I know you do lots of different things. Tell us a little bit about you and what you've been up to. Um, let's see. So before before I got to Australia, I was working in the UK. And before that, I was working in Amsterdam, which is where I'm from. But basically, my entire career started in marketing. So I've done B2C and B2B marketing. And I don't really have a preference between the two. I'm pretty much easy in, in both. And I like to, to actually just do marketing. So I got here. Um, the job market, of course, and, and recruiters are hmm, to be... Hmm, I'm going to remain neutral on this. So I then... I then decided to actually uh, uh, start networking and see what I could do, etc. And, and then, of course, I went about becoming a consultant for the second time in my career and 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 carved my own path. Um, I then stumbled across a networking group, and in that networking group, I met Avon Collis, who is now my business partner in the company that we have set up called Relevate Consulting. It's one of the two ventures that I've um, actually involved in. There was a third one I pulled out of it, but that's a conversation for later. Um, 
And basically what we do is we offer marketing strategy services based on customer experience and digital transformation uh, projects. So uh, we look at a company, there's no way that we can take the marketing strategy away from the business strategy. And this is what I'd like to do, which is to actually marry the two, see what the objectives are from an organization and, and then build the right marketing strategy in order to achieve these objectives. And that's what we do. We have a very simple message. We focus on CRMs. Because 70% of companies, uh, according to a Deloitte uh, research from a couple of years ago, 70% of Australian companies don't have a CRM. So they don't know how to communicate with their clients. They don't know who their customers are. And they don't have a funnel that they can do it properly in and track and trace and, and follow up with these clients and customers and prospects, if you wish. So that's what we do. Relevate marketing. That's crazy. I didn't realize it was so high. 70%. Wow. Yeah. 70% of organizations still do it either Excel-based or a little notebook or whatever. And, and you know, uh, Australia is basically SMBs, right? It's, it's the, the heart of the economy, which is why now during this pandemic, we have such a, a, a hard time. But if, if you are wasting opportunities because you're not tracking them properly, you're not following up with them, or because you're not channeling them through that funnel in order to actually close the deal... That's, that's a lot of wasted opportunities. And we know also from the numbers that 84%, sorry, those that implement a CRM have an 84% uplift in their business. Wow. So. Really, really important. I mean, because I'm just thinking about that for me and I'm like, I can't imagine not having a CRM. How would you do things? Like, like it was sort of like one of those pillars of when I set up my business, I'm like, well, I need a CRM. So Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's kind of sounds pretty chaotic. And I mean, this, this kind of ties into what we're talking about, because, well, let me just ask you the question, you know, when it comes to B2B marketing specifically, when it comes mm-hmm. to nurturing, when it comes to tying the business objectives to the marketing objectives and how that relates to sales as well, like how complex is that? How complex can that get? Well, I think you can make it as complex as you want, right? Or you can keep it as simple as you want. The KISS principle, right? Now, I'm not going to say it, but we all know what the KISS principle is. Um, But, I mean, let's go back to the basics, right? The basics are you have to basically understand uh, the the target audience that you're trying to sell to, right? So your ideal customer profile. If you don't have that information, everything else basically is like stems from the poisonous fruit, right it, it just won't work if if you're trying and i i think i posted yesterday on linkedin about it if you're trying or was it today today sorry i would post on assumptions right which is if if you are trying to sell a car to someone that is an eco person completely against the whole gas guzzling industry of the uh, automobiles and um, then you're not going to basically sell a car to that person Right? And if you direct your entire marketing to try and convert an eco person into a gas guzzler, that's not going to work either. So you have to go back to the basics. Now, we can go a step even further up and, and actually look at the Simon Sinek Golden Circle and figure out the why. Right? Why is it that you do in business, why you're in business, and who you're doing it for? So these are two essential questions. And then once you have the answer to that question, the rest is pretty much simple. The execution of it. It's a bit more complicated, but the principles are the same, right? So you have a target profile, you've got a product or a service, you want to sell it to them, you want to educate them, and then you want to bring them into the fold. You want to hold them for as long as you can because customer lifetime value is important because we know that acquiring new customers is, what, four or five times more expensive than actually um, 
extracting maximum value from existing clients. And whether they leave or stay, you want them to advocate for you. These are the basics principles, if you wish, of, of marketing, in my now opinion. When, well, when it comes to like that ideal customer profile, what I'm seeing a lot of, and I think we've chatted about this sort of over comments on LinkedIn as well, is there is that big focus on the the end user, right? So mm. it's like, who is that end user who, you know, in the case of, um, you know, a B2B sale, it might be that's actually using the app uh, in their business, right? But actually, when you think about it, it's like, okay, well, there's the person who gets to decide whether or not we even have a conversation with you. There's the person who's got to come up with the money for it. That, that, you know, there, there could be like several different stakeholders involved in that kind of um, in in that kind of sale. So, how does that work in terms of profiling? Do we have to build a profile for each person within that business? Yes. Um, ideally, what you want to do is map the customer journey, right? So we hear a lot about the customer journey, but if, if we break it down into layman's terms, it's how does a person go from understanding they have a need, realizing or realizing they have a need, understanding what that need is, finding out about how to solve that need, and then finding out who can help them solve that need, then finding the tools to solve that need, and then actually buying or renting, if you wish, that need, right? So if we just break it down in those layman's terms, then you start seeing like there's a timeline. There's a timeline from when you start realizing you've got a need all the way to actually concluding it or solving it by actually getting a service or a product or whatever. So on that timeline, there are multiple touch points. And for each of the touch points, you're looking at, especially in B2B in the value chain, you're looking at a different profile uh, of people that are going to either influence you or, um, sorry, they are going to be influenced by your marketing in order to actually uh, buy your products towards the end. So in a, in, a, in a typical B2B customer journey, you've got someone in an office, for example, they have a CRM system that's not working really well. So as a, a CRM consultant, I'm going to look at companies that have a CRM system that's not working really well, they're paying high money for it and very little uh, return on investment. You can look at conversion rates. So I can put out, for example, all kinds of marketing that says, is your conversion rate low? Are you maximizing the efficiency or the, uh, the use of your CRM? If the answer is no, by the people uh, that are actually using the system, they're going to then go up to their manager and say, look, we're not doing this properly. Can we get this consultant in to actually look at uh, what we're doing? So now I've influenced the person that has a need. That person then goes to the marketing manager or whoever, and that person then will start doing research. That person then will look into, for example, my website or our website, sorry, and they will go like, oh, yeah, okay. Hmm. There are testimonials here. There are all kinds of other things. There's information. There's products and services. This is the value that I'm going to get out of hiring this um, company, for example, to come and work on my CRM. So now I've I've influenced the marketing manager through the content that I've got on the website. Now that marketing manager cannot simply just go and say, okay, come on over, because there's a budget, right? We all know that in an OPEX budget, everything is, is basically calculated. So now there's a conversation to be had with the finance manager. And the finance manager potentially has to have conversations within the organization to see if there's a budget somewhere. So now I need to be able to... to 
uh, influence that finance manager, for example. Ultimately, there's a decision that's made. We're going to free up some budget. Let's bring Flores in and his team. Let's see if we can actually uh, help us. And of course, there'll be two, maybe three other teams out there. So I need to then go, do my pitch, present the value to, the, to them, and what I can do to help them. So now on that customer journey, there are four, five, six different touch points. And for each one of them, I need to understand who it is that I'm trying to influence and what information I can give them in order for them to come to my website. And then of course, sign me up as a uh, vendor to do the work that they need done. Yeah, that's such a, it's such a great illustration of you explaining that kind of timeline. Cause I think that's the thing when we talk about things like, for instance, I did a show about empathy mapping and I was like, well, you know, here's how you think about your, your ideal client, but really it does also need to be like, what's that position? What, what role are they in? Who are the people that they need to influence? And also what, because when you explain it like that, it gets me thinking like, okay, so what sort of things can I give them to help them easily influence someone? Because mm -hmm. otherwise it's going to be like, oh, it's too hard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll just put up with it. You know what I mean? Like it can be a little bit like, oh, it's too hard, too much hassle. I'll just go about my day. Well, you'd, you'd be surprised of how many projects actually don't get started because people just fear the complexity of it and, and, and the, the amount of work that is required in order to affect change. So as, as a digital transformation expert as well, I've, I've, I've done many projects, change projects, and a lot of them are actually... You know, a lot of them fail, not necessarily my projects, but 85% of uh, digital transformation projects fail because we, we as experts, we don't look at the people and the culture. You have to first, first and foremost, you have to make sure that the people that are going to use the new systems are aware of them. They're on board on that journey of actually trying to make things better and, and get them trained. And they then become the trainers within the organization, the champions of that change, of the new system, of the new process, whatever it may be. So it starts with people, processes second, and, and technology. So that's my motto anyway for digital transformation. But specifically to answer your question, it's all about the, the marketing content that you put out there, right? So understanding what the customer profile is, or at least what the profile is of one of those uh, links in that chain will allow me, for example, to present them with the with information that will help them solve. If we look at it from the value proposition canvas, you've got the job to be done, the pains and the gains, right? And on the other side of it, from the strategizer, you've got the products and services on offer, and you've got the pain relievers and the gain creators. So if I understand that, for example, working, I don't know, don't want to single them out, but let's say Microsoft Dynamics, it's a bit it's too expensive, for example. So that's a pain for the finance manager. So I know it's too expensive. So I can say, for example, well, you can go with Infusionsoft or you can go with Zoho or you can go with one other brand that will almost do the same about 89% of what you want it to do, but it will be at a much lower cost. So I've understood the pain of the finance manager and I'm now presenting that finance manager with information about cost in my marketing content. The users of the system, for example, maybe they don't like the button being on the left side, they want it on the right side. So there'll be potentially some uh, content that I can put out on UX and UI. It all depends. It's, as long as you understand, and as you say, absolutely, you've mapped it on your customer journey, you've mapped the touch points and the profile of each of those touch points and the empathy level, because in sales 101, if you want sales training 101, you very quickly learn that if you're trying to sell something to someone that doesn't have a need, you can basically 
bang your head against the wall and you won't be able to sell anything, right? So if the empathy level is low, uh, in, in the sense of there isn't a critical need, there's no amount of marketing that will actually change your mind. But the the impact of marketing is that it sits in the back of your mind, especially when you start putting so much content out. So I think it was Google that came out with the 7-11-4, right? So seven hours of content over 11 different uh, touch points in over four different channels is how you get someone to automatically then associate your brand or products or service with the need that they have. So it, understand your customer profile, understand your journey, create the content that's re relevant to each one of these touch points, and hopefully the rest falls into place. I want to ask you as well about, because what I've seen, particularly, I think this is in the, the business services space, right? Um, when it comes to, you know, so for, uh, for consultants, essentially, I, I, I've seen, and I don't know if this is my impression based on what I get advertised and what I get served. So maybe I'm a bit biased here, but it seems like a lot of people are kind of going, oh, I'll just go for the CEO or I'll go for the exec level pitch. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's like in their content, they're kind of mm. advertising to the executive rather than the the user. What's your thoughts on that? Do you do you agree with that? Do you think that's happening, and is that problematic? Um, it is happening, and it's falling on deaf ears. Uh, it's it's like some of the LinkedIn connection requests I get. Hi, my name is X. Buy my shit. <laughs> <laughs> Ignore. You know, it, 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 what, what really gets me, and, and I'll come to the to a specific answer to your question, but just to put it in context, what really gets me are these consultants, marketing consultants, that send me these messages saying, Flores, do you need marketing services? It's like, have you actually bothered to open up my profile, see what I do, who I do it for, etc.? Have you gone onto my website? Have you researched it? Have you done any work? No. So the point I'm trying to make is that if you are targeting the CEO, then you need to go with messaging that are relevant to the CEO. If you're targeting a marketing manager, you will go to the marketing manager with information that's relevant to them. If you're talking to a CMO, same thing, information that's relevant to them. So you have to have a targeted approach based on the customer profile, or at least the target audience, whether it's one or many. If you are doing a general pitch to an organization, you kind of have to cover all your bases. This CRM system, for example, specifically in CRM, this CRM system is going to help all your employees improve their efficiency because it's a much easier system to work with, more integrated, with integration possibilities into customer data profile platforms uh, in the future. To the marketing manager, your ROI is going to get better. You're going to get better results uh, on your marketing campaigns. They're going to be more efficient. To the CMO, uh, now you're going to be able to get more budget for your team because you're going to be able to affect more sales. And you're going to maybe try and find a bit of balance between sales and, and marketing, CMO, CCO type of conversation and dynamics. And to the CEO, well, if it's a public company, your shares are going to get, uh, or your shareholders are going to get a better return in terms of EPS because your marketing is more effective. You're selling more money. Oh, sorry, you're making more money. So you cover based on who you're targeting. No, it's 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 a really great point. Like I think, yeah, there's definitely those messages out there, and I think like you know this kind of brings me to like that quality quantity question of like. I mean, I can't, you, you've kind of already alluded to what 
um, your answer is, but I want to ask it anyway, just to kind of drive this point home a little bit that like, I see people going like, Oh, like, you know, I'm, I'm really struggling to get more than like 13 outbound messages on LinkedIn done a day. Right. Or I'm really struggling to get like, I don't know what, whatever that number is. Right. And I'm like, I don't, I've never had to send 13 outbound messages per day. Like it doesn't sound like a lot, but actually if you're doing the work that you should be doing, Mm-hmm. then it's going to be 13 is a lot to be to be sending so when people are sending these bulk messages out i mean does it have any any effect statistically i would imagine yes right i wouldn't say they are very effective of it sending a thousand messages just to get maybe four people to reply i don't know what the conversion rates because i wouldn't even dare go down that path because i don't see it as as an effective uh, use of my time mm-hmm. um so if you're if you're statistically trying to play the numbers, I mean it's statistics. Ultimately, the same way that everybody says, you know, it's two o'clock, even twice a day on a broken watch, right? Everything it, it will happen. You will get some conversion. How good is that conversion? Is then the question. I personally, and I think this is the point we're trying to make here. I much rather say, look, this is who I am. These are my posts, and I've got a schedule for it because, of course, I'm a marketer. So, for and I learned this recently from. Uh, from a LinkedIn expert, um, on Monday I two motivational uh, posts. So like yesterday, it was all about I forgot actually what I posted yesterday. <laughs> Something <laughs> it, motivational. <laughs> it's a good thing I track all my my posts. Actually, um, I, I can look it up. Hold on, hold on. Where's my file? <laughs> this is a bit embarrassing. Uh, what did I post yesterday? Um, how does one keep a positive mind in current environment? There we go. Um, so that was a post yesterday. Today is tips, tools, and techniques. So I posted today about how not to make assumptions because I'm alluding to the fact that you need to understand who your customer profile is and do all, all the things that are necessary for that. Tomorrow I'll do a call to action. We are relevant. Come check us out and we'll help you with your marketing. I'll do another tips and tools uh, on Thursday. Uh, an aspirational message on Friday and then on the weekend, I usually don't post. So I take that information and I put it out there and I say, look, this is, this is who we are. This is what we do. Check out our website. If there's anything that piques your interest, by all means, let us know. And then I've got a booking tool so people can basically have a, a, a chat if they want to. And I've had multiple chats. But what really gets me is whether you're doing lead gen or you're doing demand gen, the, the, the end result is the same. You need to focus on revenue. But what really gets me is that in the current circumstances, we're also generally speaking, there's a lot of people that just want to take, 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 take. Mm. And when you give them a quote, which is a reasonably priced quote, it's like, I've got my next door neighbor that does a bit of the Facebook ad, so I was just going to do that for now. Mm. <laughs> You're into mm. <laughs> You're <laughs> you're in a in a multi-tier uh b2b2c uh um model in terms of distribution model and you're going to go do facebook ads to create demand for for your products that aren't in the channel where these people are going to go to try and buy it mm. so you're missing a trick here like mm. the the basis of it if you want to sell your product they need to be in the stores people go to buy it from Right. We go back to the whole idea of if you understand the customer journey, you can respond to it. If the customer journey of buying that product is you see it online, you go to the store, you touch it, feel it in your hand, you make sure that it's safe for your kids because it was a a kid related product. 
a, a child-related product and you feel it's safe, then you would buy it. Well, you need to have it in the store. In order to have it in the store, you need to have contact with either the distributors that sell into the independent retailers, or you have to have contact with the big retailers. Are you having that conversation? Because that's a B2B conversation. So you've got B2C, B2B, and B2B2C, which is a nice combo between the two. And I like doing the B2B2C, actually. Um, so... Yeah, yeah. It's a, it, yeah that, I'm kind of excited that you brought this up, to be honest, Loris, because like I think that like I, I've been having a few conversations with people who are either like, yeah, yeah, I do Facebook and this is why I like, as in they're the agency that, sell, that, that do Facebook advertising or they're, um, you know, like, oh, I've heard Facebook advertising is good, got to get on that. And I'm like, well, maybe, <laughs> but like it might not be like maybe, like, why do you think you need to do that? Oh, because Facebook has got a billion users. So obviously then I'm going to get some of that, right? And it mm. kind of goes back to your statistics point before. It's like, well, maybe you will get a bit of traction, but like how much work do you have to do and how much money do you have to put into that? Yeah. And how much optimizing do you have to put in? Like for me, um, with what I'm doing at the moment, like I mainly talk to other marketers about collaborating because like, mm. I'm like, I don't actually have to go directly to a client because it's much easier for marketers and people in that like marketing content marketing space to see what I'm doing rather than going directly to the customer. I feel like that's something that's mi missed a lot is like just doing things a really hard way. Cause maybe it looks a bit sexy. Like, do you think it's like oh, Facebook <laughs> advertising kind of seems sexy? So I'm going to do that. <laughs> no, I, I think there are several points here I think we can cover, but the one of the biggest one is that misconception that Facebook is the answer to everything, mm. right? Ah, my numbers are really down. What do I need to do? Oh, I'm going to do a Facebook campaign. I'm going to see the numbers go up and I'm going to be able to report back to the CMO if you're in corporate and say, oh, look, those conversion rates, they really came down, but the revenue, you know, it went up about 2%. Mm. Okay. So how much do you spend on it? What's the ROI? Oh, less than 2%. Hmm. 2% increase in sale, less than 2% uh, return on investment. Yeah, that didn't work. Oh, no, but it did really well. You know, we, we had brand awareness and we were able to push our brand up. Nah, nah, nah. Piss off. <laughs> it's not working. <laughs> it's not working. But Facebook is easy that way. But Facebook is only effective if you know your target. Right, because the power of Facebook is in micro-targeting. If you don't know your target, if you don't know who you're trying to sell your product to and where they shop, what they do, what they think, and what time they read your message, you can put your message out there and it won't resonate or at least it won't be seen. If, you're, if your ideal customer profile is the 9 o'clock in the evening, I am dead tired, I just put the kids to bed, I have no idea what I'm going to do, I've got a glass of wine, I'm zapping on the masked singer or something, and you put an ad out there, you're like, oh, buy my shit. I think you're like, bye-bye. Right? So again, Facebook is attractive because it's easy in its execution. I mean, I can go on Facebook now, pay, I even have a $10 credit if I wanted to because I still haven't used it for any of my company pages. But I can go now and put an ad out. It doesn't mean it's going to work. Mm -hmm. So there's the, the, this misconception that Facebook is the answer to all, but it's not. The answer to all is actually going back to the basics, because if you, let's assume for a second that you have a CRM, and if you don't, <laughs> <laughs> but let's assume like that when you, you have a number going across the bottom of the screen, call now, 
a ticker. Every time I say CRM, it needs to come up automatically. <laughs> let's put a bot in. <laughs> but <laughs> joking aside, let's assume that you've got a CRM. What is the easiest way to actually get more money? You go back to your CRM. You go back yeah, to your yeah. clients. You, you go like, hey, look, you've bought from us before. You are valued customers. We appreciated your custom back then. Is there a chance that you have a need right now? And if you do, check out these new products and services that we have, right? This is a soft sell. Here we are. We're still alive. We are COVID safe if we are have a store or we are on e-commerce. We will do contactless uh, deliveries. So the more, if you really want to focus on improving your business, go back to the customers that you know, especially those customers that are still buying your product. If you're on a recurring monthly program it's, uh, charge or whatever, this is where you want to focus on. Doing a Facebook ad, oh, don't even get me started on LinkedIn ads because they're five, six times more expensive than, than Facebook. But look, work on your SEO and Simon King and I, Definitely recommend you having a conversation with Simon King if you haven't from the marketing chair. I agree. Uh, Paul Harrison <laughs> from Zip the Marketing down in, in Melbourne. Both of them are in lockdown, so they'll be more than happy to have a chat. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, Simon is a, an expert, and his entire messaging, other than all the other services that he offers, is on Google My Business. And I'm actually promoting Simon and his business not relevant it, because, to your point, it is about collaboration. Mm. Simon does everything around Google My Business, and this is free stuff that you can do. It's absolutely free. All you have to do is go to, um, what's the website, uh, uh, business.google.com, sign up, put in all your pictures, put in the hours that you work, do all of these things, and all of a sudden, there you go, you appear on Google search engine. How easy is that? And it's free as long as you get the right information in and you do all the things and just follow Simon on his uh, um, LinkedIn and you get all these tips. So you can do that. You can do because what is the first place people go to if they have a need? Google. Google. What is the second place people go to when they have a need? Oh, I don't know. Where's the second place they go? YouTube? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Love YouTube. <laughs> but YouTube is the second largest search engine in the world. And it's the same company. So you can imagine how much information they're getting out of us, right? <laughs> but it's Google first and YouTube second. So if you've got your search engine and you've got video content, which now is the rage and, and everybody's doing video, but if you have these videos on Google and you've got the right words, the right description, the right keywords, and you've done it all right, boom, you're in. It doesn't take that much. You just have to understand that for some of the things, the execution may be complex in the grand scheme of things, but individually they are very simple. The, the strategy part, which is what I like doing with customers, is tying all of these back together to a single overarching strategy, which is you need to go from here, you need to improve your awareness, for example, you need to touch these uh, uh, channels more, you need to create those contents for these channels, you need to do that, for example, to improve the empathy levels on your customer journey, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. No, it's a really good point. It's actually interesting. So I do a Monday motivation podcast episode, right? And this week I was talking about like, you know, how do you know if you're ready to advertise and, you know, should you be advertising or where should you be advertising? And one of the things mm -hmm. I was talking about is like, you know, think about 
from the customer's mindset perspective, right? Like when you're going to Google, you're searching for something specific. And based on what you're searching, we can really identify where that person is. Now, obviously, everyone's going to want to go for that person who's searching for, I want to buy red shoes right now if you're selling shoes, right? Like everyone's going to want to do that. But like, and that's where the continued improvement comes in and all that kind of stuff. But for me, I'm like that, the, the search, like search engine marketing and also search engine optimization, which is the most effective digital marketing thing you can do. Like it's, it's much better to spend time there for customer acquisition then on Facebook, where essentially what you're trying to do is interrupt, interrupt, interrupt. Oh, you're scrolling through a feed and, and having some time off and enjoying Facebook. And, oh, I'm going to put an ad in the way while you're drinking a glass of wine, like you said. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not saying it's not invalid, but it's just it's really important to think about that um, because I, I, I think... I think that there's a lot of misconceptions around, you know, all advertising is equal or I can just put all of my money into this one thing and like a whole heap of cash <laughs> will come out of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I do remember though, last week I, I posted something about this as well, which is at what part or which parts of that funnel do you actually create content for? So which part of the funnel? Because um, you can break it down to the three and then 7%. Uh, these are the people that have a need. The three that have a need right now, 7% have know they have a need and they haven't actually really looked for it. And then you've got 30 and 30. Um, so, sorry, 30, 30, 30. Um, at the top, for example, basically the, the marketing messaging that you want to put at the top is, is brand awareness. Like, we do, for example, if you're Nike, we do running shoes. Not that Nike need any advertising, but they do it anyway, right? But let's assume I sell red shoes, to go back to your example. This is what we do, red shoes, and people love it. Look, they're walking, they're comfortable, whatever, right? And then these are the ads that you put out, and you try and put it out at as little cost as possible, and you're trying to do as much organic as, as possible because you just want – people to sort of like promote that information and you can do all kinds of things. You can do either TikTok, you can do Instagram, you can do Facebook. It could be something about, you know, um, I don't know, an ad about walking on heels and that heel breaks and go, ha, 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 my red shoes won't break. Uh, I don't know, something as, as silly as that. But you put it out there and you hope that maybe it becomes a bit viral, but it's all about awareness. It's about making sure that people know that you're out there. And then the further down you go into that funnel, this is when you start honing the message more on the needs and how you're going to solve that need. Um, so if by that, you know, once you get to that 10% level where it's split between seven and, and three, that's maybe where Facebook can come into play and be very specific and you can make it as targeted as possible. But on the other hand, you can also go, as you said, and do just search engine optimization. Where can I fix my shoe? Don't fix your shoe, buy this one, right? And the whole bidding war on keywords and all of these things happen. But then it's all supported also by content because we're visual people. So that's why video works so well, especially now since it's so easy to create video content. Um, and, and you put it out there and you just make sure that you're targeting the people with the right words or the right questions so that they can then come to your content and figure you and figure that actually you're there and you're an option for them. I really like what you said there about like, um, Oh, sorry. My microphone just turned down. You might not have been able to hear me very well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what happened there? I'm like, I'm very, very quiet. 
So I like what you said there about that 3%, 3%, you know, 30%. Because I've, I've heard that before. People will say things like, you know, only 3% of people are actually in the market to buy right now. Um, mm-hmm. I'm really curious and sorry to throw this question to you because um, I didn't prepare you for it. But where did that come from? Because like, like how do we know the, the breakdown of that? So... Um... What's his name? Let me go back to the post because I've got the name on that post. Um, it's a uh, a sales or a psychologist or something. Hold on. Where's what's his name? Source. <laughs> Sorry, Flores. <laughs> <laughs> Your LinkedIn just popped in my mind. The Ultimate Sales Machine by Chet Holmes, right? So Chet Holmes wrote that book, and he basically made that. Um, uh, a pyramid, if you wish, of demand generation, which is 3% people that actually have a need right now and they're ready to purchase. Then the 7% is they're open to buying, but they're not looking. And then you've got 30, 30, 30, and respectively, that's uh, not thinking about it or think they aren't interested or know they aren't interested. So lots and lots of research went into actually making this uh, the pyramid and the numbers actually be, uh, be valid or validated, sorry. Um, and and it's been used and hailed as sort of like, oh, I lost your image there for a second. Uh, where are you? <laughs> I'm here. Lawrence, come find me. <laughs> well, seriously, I can't find you. <laughs> you went off on a, um, on a web browsing rabbit hole and lost me. <laughs> I'm on Ah, there we go. <laughs> there we go. Found you. Uh, <laughs> So the, the the principle of demand generation is that you, you build the content based on what people are looking for or think they're looking for. Because there's another thing that we need to keep in mind here as well. And I know this from, from the digital transformation part, but also in general, people lie. Mm. People lie, but most importantly, they lie to themselves, right? Um, I have a need. Actually, I don't. Uh, I don't have a need. Actually, I do, right? Or um, I think I need this. Or, Actually, I need this. Um, and all of these things. So it's about understanding what the hidden needs are. There's a lot of psychology as well, which is also uh, one of the reasons I like uh, marketing. And I'm sure you, the business scientist, would would share that opinion. There's a lot of psychology in it in trying to figure out what makes people tick and at what time and in what context. And it's about creating that marketing strategy and plan and execution to actually deliver exactly at the right time, at the right uh, instant, if you wish, with the right content. Yeah, this has been, I mean, we're going to have to wrap, wrap up soon because we've gone a bit over time, but uh, there's so many other things I keep wanting to show. I'm like, we could keep going, um, but we'll have to wrap up in a second. I guess like for, to kind of tie things off, Loris, like what would be sort of your like key takeaway from this for people listening to this? Um, what would you kind of want them to walk away thinking about or something that they could they could do this week to sort of, I guess, elevate their marketing a little bit more? Uh, I think we can go back all the way to the beginning of the conversation and go back and say, go back to your basics. Like, the situation right now is it's not easy for anyone. Even the big organizations are struggling. Uh, even the big four, for example, from a consultancy point of view, they're starting to see their uh, numbers go back up, but pay hasn't gone up. So that's a, an article that came out yesterday. Go back to the basics. Your basics are your golden circle from Simon Sinek, right? Why you're in business, what it is that you uh, actually do, and how do you do it? In the how part, that's when you start looking at your business strategy, you start looking at your marketing strategy, and you go back to the basics there as well. The basics are 
who am I doing it for? What is my customer profile? Where do they shop for my service, my widget, my whatever? And how can I best achieve reaching them with information that would actually turn them away from any other brand and come to my brand instead? You may be enticed to go do some brand awareness stuff and push your brand out and do all of these other things. It's all going to cost you money, but nothing's going to cost it. I'm sorry. It's not going to cost you anything. If you sit down with a piece of paper or a couple of whiteboards and just basically go over your basics again, once you go back over it and you, then it will trigger all kinds of information and recall on stuff that you've seen, you've uh, numbers that you uh, have in the business, your finance, your revenue, your costs, your cost of goods, all of that will come back up and you will start thinking about it again. And then you'll put it into a cohesive plan. Go back to the basics. Once you have an idea of what it is that you're trying to achieve, put a vision as your North star, create that vision, do a visioning exercise. Put that as your North Star and try and achieve it. And if you need help, ask for help. Totally. you got to ask for help when you need it. I completely agree. Floris, if people want to find out more about you, I mean, I see you on LinkedIn all the time. I'm guessing the best place for people to reach out to you is on LinkedIn. Is that right? So there's LinkedIn, of course, and all the other social media platforms. And there's also the website, relevate.com.au. And you also have an awesome podcast the frontline podcast you want to just quickly tell us about that one as well sure so the frontline uh, frontline podcast is a sales and marketing podcast aimed at uh, small and medium businesses um, i host it with two other uh, co-hosts uh, avon collis who i work with and is my business partner at uh, relevate but also jeremy pierce who uh, is from outside sales training who does sales trainings basically for people that have a sales operation that is in need of some training and the three of us we get together once a week and we talk about marketing concepts pretty much like we just talked about now we have interviews that we do with guests that we bring on 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 the show or we have a fireside conversation if you wish and we just basically talk about marketing um so that's the the podcast and there's also recently started with simon uh king from the marketing brain and paul harrison from zip marketing down in melbourne we have the happy marketers uh happy hour every oh. fortnight uh friday at 4 p.m so this Friday at 4 p.m., we basically have a chat like this, and we actually have alcohol involved in the conversation. Oh, I love it. I will definitely look forward to that. That sounds like a lot of fun. Is that on LinkedIn, like on a live stream? Yeah. yeah. Oh, awesome. Love it. Great so, idea. Um, Facebook, YouTube, and LinkedIn. So it's done through Restream instead of StreamYard, and uh, Paul hosts it, but then the three of us just sit back and talk. Love it. I'll make sure I bring a beer to have it to have a listen. Um, thank you so much again, Floris, for joining me. It was so great to get your insights. Thank you for everyone watching. And uh, if you have questions on the replay as well, type them in here, tag Floris, and um, and I'm sure Floris, you'd be happy to answer them afterwards. As Absolutely. Well. Thank thank you very much for the opportunity, and thank you to the audience as well. Bye, everyone. Bye, guys. All right, guys. So that's it from me for today. What did you think of the show? Would love to know your thoughts. You can tweet with me at LaurenCress89. You can jump on LinkedIn and chat with me there. Uh, I'm on Facebook too. I'm not as active on Facebook. I'm also on Instagram, not as active on Instagram. But if that's the channel you like to use, I am there. So please do come say hello. Let me know what you thought. Um, and if you haven't had a chance yet to rate and review the show, 
please do that. As you've probably noticed, I've given a shout out to the last couple of people who have been reviewing the show because it actually makes a massive difference, like huge, huge difference. It's kept the podcast charting like in the top 20, you know, just from like having one or two reviews and ratings, having people subscribe and listen. If you haven't yet subscribed, make sure you subscribe as well. All that jazz, you guys know the drill. Until next time, remember that sharing your talents with the world will make it a better place.